Take your Bibles open to John chapter 20. As you are opening your Bibles or you're going to the, the app and looking at the notes, the notes actually will have more uh, in the notes than on the screen today. Um, I want to ask you, though, how you would finish this sentence. You don't have to speak it out loud, but I certainly want you to contemplate it. Uh, and uh, to the best of your ab ability, be honest with yourself. Uh, the question is simply this. My number one goal in life is... My number one goal in life is. Now, if I was in high school, it was graduate high school. Uh, some of you, you, you may say my number one goal is just to survive. Certainly, there are a lot of Christians that living like that's their number one goal. Others would say it's just to get to heaven. Others would say, well, it's, you know, I really just need to be financially secure. Or I just need people to accept me. But I do believe there is a correct way to answer and to finish off that sentence. I believe it should be the goal of every person to hear Jesus say the words, well done, good and faithful servant. I can't think of a better goal. I pray that's your goal. I pray that your life reflects that that's your goal. Because when, as we're talking today and as we've moved through the uh, earliest apostles' creed. We've talked about uh, this whole topic of being aligned, a, a positionally correct life. Uh, this sermon really is for a person that has made that their number one goal. It doesn't say that we're going to get to heaven and Jesus is going to go, well done, good and faithful Christian. Well done, good and faithful Texan. He's not going to say, well done, good and faithful, whatever. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. So if you're motivated by that, if you're moved by that, if you're, if you're moved by that moment that is yet to come, today is going to have a significant amount of meaning to you. Because we get to the place in the confession where we've started with the Father We've moved through his son, Jesus, and today we talk about the Holy Spirit. The confession is simply this. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Say those words. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings up a lot of thoughts and ideas with people and what they've been taught and what they've learned that oftentimes causes people pause. But let me tell you, the first and foremost, the Holy Spirit is not a glorified it. The Holy Spirit is not, like Star Wars, some impersonable, uh, impersonable uh, force or cosmic power. Uh, the Holy Spirit is... Some, of, some, some need to get this, or you certainly know people need to get this next one. The Holy Spirit is not some... Uh, force that is controlled by Pentecostal Christians. It's not, the Holy Spirit is not a liquid that is poured out on people. The Holy Spirit does not control people. The Holy Spirit does not force himself on people. The Holy Spirit doesn't give you a license to be weird. When Clarissa and I uh, first met, I had decided to take her out on the first date. And I, I, I was not a lot, I'm real big on being forward thinking, but I was forward thinking 
on dating the person I was going to marry, the first date that we went to was a sporting event. She knew what she was getting into from the get-go. So we actually went to an ASU baseball game. And we get to the ASU baseball game, and, and we go and we find our seats. And I look down, and not far from there is my sister and her alcoholic husband. I went, oh, no. This girl is never going to want to be around me again because he's just that guy. He's lot, he was a lot like your weird uncle. And I was embarrassed. And here's the thing. Because of the weirdness in the church, that's how people treat the Holy Spirit. Well, we don't want, we don't want the Holy Spirit showing up because there's all sorts of weirdness attached to that. And so modern-day Pentecost has taken the Holy Spirit and shoved the Holy Spirit in the closet and said, you just hang out there while we do our thing in here. G.I. Packer said this about the Holy Spirit. I think it's profound. Were it not for the work of the Holy Spirit, there would be no gospel, no faith, no church, no Christianity in the world at all. If you want a positionally correct life, you will be aligned with the Holy Spirit. It won't be just a part of a confession, but it will be a way of life. It'll be the way you live, not just on Sunday morning, but on Monday morning and Thursday afternoon and everywhere in between. So in John chapter 20, starting in verse 19, we read some significant scripture that Jesus has already gone to the cross. And you could say that this was uh, the Sunday night of Easter. And on that evening, the scripture says, the first day of the week, the doors were being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. I got to stop here just because I, I, I don't know why the Lord did this to me this morning. But as I'm just pondering the scripture, I just felt, Lord, felt the Lord say, you know, I am no different than them th third grade boys. Because if you've ever met a third grade boy, he's going to come out and show you every scar. Because while he's cried and ran to his mother for the stitches, he's now proud of the accomplishment. And why Jesus had to put that, that picture in my mind today, I don't know, but I just had to share that with you because it's kind of funny. And when you get there and you ask, he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant, you could say, did you really say something like that to Rich? He'll tell you. But notice then Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Powerful words spoken there. What I want to talk about this morning is that when we confess our belief in the Holy Spirit, 
there's an incredible possibility, an amazing purpose, a wonderful partnership, and an incredible power. To enjoy all of this and to live in this dynamic, we have to remain aligned with the Holy Spirit. Let me start talking with the, with the possibility. You may not think of yourself this way, but for Jesus to say, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you, has everything to do with us having the capability to be empowered the way Jesus was empowered. Now, you may not think of that as a possibility, but I'm here to tell you that is a possibility. But for the possibility to become a reality, there are things that needs to be dealt with. Some of you need to just get rid of your idea of the Holy Spirit being uh, an afterthought or something that's optional. Because before Jesus ever did anything in the public ministry, the scripture says the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Now, when he descended on humanity, it was fire. But you have to understand, the fire needed to cleanse some things. The dove, the spirit of peace, came upon a, on a man who was at perfect peace. But regardless, even though he was at perfect peace, the spirit still had to come for him to do the works that he did. Just like the spirit needs to come upon you and I to do the works that he did. So now the miracles can come. The, con the convicting prophetic words can come. Here's the big thing. Get this. It was because the Spirit was upon Jesus. He's 30 years old. But once the Spirit comes upon him, people take notice. And people take notice in order for him to put people on notice. Now, we live in a world where people are trying to put people on notice when they're not even noticing them. But when you understand the power of the Spirit in your life, it isn't, it's there, so it literally causes people to take notice so that then you can put people on notice. And so, if you will notice that in Scripture, there was nobody taking notice of the disciples at that time. The disciples were locked in a room. And why were they locked in a room? Because they were stinking afraid that the same thing that Jesus went through, they were going to go through. And so Jesus shows up in their midst and says, peace be upon you. And he says it twice. What keeps the reality of the Holy Spirit only being a possibility for so many people is that they've not allowed Jesus to invade their space in such a way that he can look and say, peace be upon you. Because the moment he says, peace be upon you, the fear that is in your heart, and you can label your fear. You can label your fear any way you want. It could be fear of, of the stock market. It could be fear of COVID. It could be fear of the, the wars, whatever it might be. Whatever your fear is, Jesus' desire is to invade your space and bring peace to that fear. Beyond that, he also is letting them know by the showing of his hands before he says it again, is that his peace will accompany you through any challenge. 
that you don't have to, during the hard times of life, lock yourself away from the world. And then right after he says, peace be upon you again, he's given them this purpose. People walk in this purpose because they find that peace was not brought through the earthly goals. The peace was not brought any other place but through Jesus Christ. And I think it's fair for us to stop and go, okay, is Jesus invading that space on a regular basis and saying, peace be upon you? In a chaotic world, this is not the norm. But Jesus wants to leave his peace with you and I. And before we could ever live the life that Jesus lived, we have to be at peace with ourselves, with him, and in the middle of our surroundings. And so we're going to do that. We're going to stop right now, and we're going to turn to heaven, and we're going to ask Jesus to come and invade the locked spirit paces of our life that are not at peace. You ready to do that? Father, we just turn to you, and I would encourage you uh, allow, allow the whatever fear so easily invade your heart. Let that come front and center. And, and Jesus, by his spirit, is going to come, and he's going to invade that space. Jesus, we open ourselves. And Lord, even though those areas that have locked, Lord, we ask you would come into those places right now and be in our midst. And that, that all the fear, all, the, all the, uh, the angst, all the uncertainty would be cast aside in Jesus' name. Even, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for being false prophets because we've allowed worry and fear to so dominate our hearts that we proclaim things that never happen. God, that you would come and that you would just invade our life in a very real and a powerful way by your spirit, Lord. Come and do that, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Every time you find yourself locking the door, the door to relationship, the door to opportunity, the door to, 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 to new people in your life, every time you find yourself, again, invite Jesus to that place. And he'll bring the peace that will not just set you free, he'll give you purpose. He will guide you into a life that is, that is fruitful, a life that is right and good. Because what he did, did with them, he, he immediately moved them to purpose. You and I, living in our locked room, working our entire lives just for this world and this life, is, is what he came to, to transform us from. He wants us out of our locked ideas and our locked rooms so that, so that he might continue to invade the world. And so there is the purpose. And the purpose is to be sent just as Jesus was sent. And hear me on this. We, there are so many things that certainly in our day and age, we as the people of God should, should allow to convict and to, to really change us is that Jesus, he never attached himself to this world. He lived in this world, but was not of this world. But what has happened in our world is the church has said, well, we've got to become more like Disneyland to reach people. And we think that if we become more like the world, that's going to make a difference. Listen. You go to Disneyland once and you're done wowing. I mean, there are a lot of things to wow about Disneyland, but it's a one and done thing. 
And then, you know, you go back and take your kids to enjoy it, and you're stuck in the lines going, oh, Jesus, help us. But he didn't come to get wealth. He didn't come to get notoriety. He didn't come to, to satisfy the flesh through endless entertainment and sex and throwing parties. He didn't come for that. Because he's not of this world. And when we move into his kingdom, we recognize that we're no longer of this world. He came and he was a servant of the Father. And we reap the benefits of that servanthood. But he also, he did what so few of us do. He leveraged his life for the Father. Every day he lived, he positioned himself to the moment that he would be able to do things that would get people to notice so that he could put them on notice with the Heavenly Father. What does that mean to you and I? That means things like, we don't work at a certain place just to get a paycheck. It means that we live in a neighborhood and have people that we come in contact with just because that's random. It means that, it means that our finances need to be leveraged for him. And some of you need to hear this. You may not give to Bethel, but as a servant of the Most High God, you best be given somewhere. Because we, live, we serve a God who is generous. A God who, who says the, the wealth that he's given you, the, the finances, whether small or great, are to be leveraged just like every part of our life. They've said over the years, over the last three generations, the amount of time that people give to the church keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Now, I'll talk about why that's not as big a deal later. But what is a big deal? is that's just a sign of how much less they're actually giving to God. That the segment of their relationship with their God and leveraging their life for God and bringing him glory just gets less and less and less. But Jesus, the, when he says, just as the Father has sent me, I sent you, he sends us, he sends you and I, so that we might be able to really bring help and hope and healing to this world. And there is no shortage of the people who need hope, who need healing, and who need help. And because of that, now all of a sudden, people begin to take notice. Because we go, wait a minute. There's way too much help that I could ever give. There's way too much healing that I could ever give. But then the Spirit comes. And the Spirit moves us well beyond our own human limitations. And so we recognize that, wait a minute, if I'm going to be sent, even as Jesus was sent, now I recognize the Holy Spirit's not some theological option that I either need to buy into or not buy into. I need to be in a partnership with the Spirit of the living Christ, who was sent upon every person when Jesus ascended to heaven. And now I'm going to live. Constantly, the Spirit-led life. Why? Because I'm in partnership with him. I want to do the activity that he is doing. They say that, that COVID exposed, or another way to say it is identified, this is my next wording, is certainly mine, 
but it identified the church's partnership with religion. COVID exposed that right out in the open for anybody that would just take some objective look. Because a third identified that religion was of no use to them. So they fully disconnected. The biggest drop in across the board church attendance than there ever has been at one in, in such a short period of time in the history, certainly of America. In fact, this Thursday, I was musing about this with Rex on Friday because it's just so irritating. I was invited to a prayer meeting a couple weeks ago, and it was this Thursday. I was invited to go. I said, I'd love to go to it. Man, that's great. And so I, I get on my motorcycle and I go to South Fort Worth and and I get off my motorcycle and I, these, these two preacher guys get out of this Cadillac next to me. And I said, I hear there's a prayer meeting here. And a guy goes, yeah, maybe you can pray. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I like talking to the Lord. I'm, I'm good with that. There was no prayer. Jesus wasn't even mentioned. The whole topic of the, the meeting was, how do we get the young people back in church? In fact, as I was, I was pondering this, this time, I'm thinking, you know, there were two guys from UNT, go green, from, that was not a slam against you guys, I just know there was a UNT person in here. Anyway, they, they were there, they're professors, and, and the church was a school project for them. Now, that's not bad. In fact, I connected with one, and he, in fact, was Dutch, he understood my name probably even understood my forehead. So cool. And, and so I, as I'm, uh, but I, I'm talking to them and then, um, and so there's some connection there and what they're, what they're trying to do. But here's the thing. They did not leave that meeting taking notice of Christians. They took notice of a building. They took notice of nicely dressed and not so nicely dressed people. But there was nothing that caused them to stop and take notice. And yet, the church thinks that they can put the world on notice and wonder why that doesn't happen. Well, I want to submit to you the reason that doesn't happen is because there's no real partnership with the Holy Spirit. Because when there's a partnership with the Holy Spirit, there is a different kind of people. And there is a different kind of passion. And so I've been, for whatever reason, my, I've just been flooded with the articles on how to get people back to church, how's, you know, you know why are people stopped coming to church? In fact, even while I was writing this, I'm, I'm, YouTube had some worship music on and, and a commercial came up and it was a movie about some girl getting her dad to go to church. Because we think that the only place that, this, that the Spirit even shows up is on a Sunday morning. And so there's all these people asking these questions. Why is church important? Why should I go to church? But no one ever stops and asks, are we even asking the right question? We just think we need to answer whatever question is out there. If anybody's taken debate, you know the person who asked the question frames the debate. So you got you to stop and say, wait a minute, isn't that even the right question? I think a much better question is, do Jesus... Do, his, do the needs of his people and the needs of the world matter to us more than everything else? I think that's a much better question. Because when Jesus, his people, and the world matter more to you and I than everything else, COVID 
World War III, financial crisis, isn't going to stop nothing. Because we're going to go, I need to be in a partnership with the one who is affecting all of that. If you think that your idea of religious breakthrough is getting through your current problem, you're missing out on an incredible opportunity. When you partner with the Holy Spirit, he will bring you to a place of breakthrough where your breakthrough is in your relationship with Jesus. You will hear him differently. You will approach him differently. You will ask him different things because there's a breakthrough as you partner with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, now you, have, you live a different kind of purpose. Now it's not what I, can, what I can get, but what I can give. And I want to give more of myself. I want to give more of that which the Lord gives me. It's the way I want to live. Because now I recognize that I have a whole different kind of power. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, now we begin to move in a dynamic of power that causes the world to stop and take notice. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. Because here's what I know about me. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not charismatic enough. I'm not wealthy enough. I don't have any political influence. So on my measly old human self, I ain't got nothing. But because I have partnered with the Holy Spirit and desire to be led by his spirit, because I confess my belief in the Holy Spirit, I want to do the works that Jesus did. I want to be able to look back in my life. It's, it's, it's not, it's, there's not miracles that we can see happening every day, but here's what happens over a period of time. You look back and you see the activity of the resurrected Christ in and through your life that you can say, yes, he did that. 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 And he did things because he wants to be noticed. And then our job is just to say, okay. Yeah, that's, that's all Jesus. But there's more to tell about. Because part of this power dynamic starts with you and I recognizing that the authority that exists is not found in any earthly structure because all authority has been given to him. So in the power, by when we partner with the Spirit, we come under that authority. And we say, Jesus, you know the answer and to you name the problem. You name the challenge. You know the answer to that. And we commit that, our lives to you in that way. And because I am serving you, I know that your authority supersedes everything that the world says I should have or do. And then go, wait a minute. I live under authority, but I also know that I have been authorized. So I live under with this authorization to do what he tells me to do. I lived authorized to, to speak the things that he is wanting me to speak. Those things may not always make sense to you and I, but we're not talking in just human terms. We're talking about being power, empowered by the spirit of the living God. And so he knows things that we do not know. And so we walk in that place of authorization. You know why? Because the Lord today, as much as he did when you read the pages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, 
in John, he wants people to notice the same amount today. And if he would notice one thing, if the world would notice one thing of Jesus in everybody in this room this week, I can't imagine the change that would take place. But when you understand that, that we've been given the keys to the kingdom and the gates of hell no longer have this power to hold out. Now we say that's unlocked. We go into the places of hell and we bring person after person after person after person out of that destiny into a place where they are now in the kingdom of God. Because that's what we've been authorized to do. It's what Jesus did. He did not allow the forces of darkness to manipulate and to control. And yet, because we don't live a life that even believes that Jesus would allow us to live this way, we allow everything in this world to control and to manipulate everything we do. But when we rise up and understand that we have been, we've been endued on, with power on high from the Spirit, now ministry takes on a whole different dynamic. Because we were under authority, we've been authorized, and now we have this anointing. This anointing that allows us to do what Jesus did. And if you're here and you have never prayed for a sick person, if you're here and if you've never, you've never heard the Spirit of Christ say something about somebody who's around you in a way that you could speak healing and wholeness and help to them, I believe the Almighty God wants that for each and every individual. You got to get by the fear. And then you step in. Because now it's not just a possibility, it becomes possible. And now you move into a partnership in a way that it makes you such a different person. Well, while everybody's all worried about people not coming to church, I've been worried about the church not coming to people for a long time. S Sunday morning service, I, I can't imagine, I don't, I don't get that, how people don't want to be around other Christians. And they say things like, well, I think, and they wonder why they're powerless. When you're led by the Spirit, you're always going to be led to a moment of opportunity at some point. This is an area that Clarissa and I pray regularly. When I say regularly, I'm talking a number of times a week, especially when we begin to pray for the people in our circle of influence. We recognize that we've been anointed, but sometimes we don't realize the moment for that anointing to be used. And so we always pray, Lord, will you make sure that our hearts are tender? Will you make sure that our hearts are ready and listening and attentive to the moments that you have in our conversations with people? Because we want to be led by his spirit. And we want people to take notice so that we can put them on notice about the day to come. So they could be motivated by, so that they can have this goal in life to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so Lord, we just, we say yes to you. We say yes to your plan. We say yes to aligning with your spirit. Lord, I already believe you took people out of 
out of the fear. You said, peace be upon each and every person. Now, Lord, we just, we just lift our hands to you and we say, Lord, come in your power. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I want to live the possible in you, Jesus. I want to live it. I don't want to, I don't want to hear the, the stories of other people, Lord. I, I, want, I want the stories to be written, Lord, as I am obedient to you. Lord, I want to step into the purpose, Lord. I want to, I want to, I want to be sent even as Jesus has been sent. I think this is a good place at, to just stop and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for uh, living the life that I've created. Living, living the life that I believe I'm supposed to have. Forgive me for that, Lord. I come and say, Lord, I want to live the life that you lived. And I want to partner with your spirit so that the power of Christ may put people to a place where they are noticing something that's different. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.